Welcome to Horangi Cybersecurity's Ask a CISO podcast. Come with us as we take a deep dive behind the scenes with the world's top cybersecurity leaders to get insights into security issues you care about. Before we take off, please help us grow by taking just a few seconds to like and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And leave us a review letting us know what you think of the podcast and how we can improve. Hello and welcome to Rangi Cybersecurity's Ask a CISO podcast. Come with us as we take a deep dive behind the scenes with the world's top cybersecurity leaders to get insights into security issues you care about. Before we take off on today's episode, please help us grow our audience by taking just a few seconds to like and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening today. Leave us a review, preferably five stars, letting us know what you think of the podcast and how we can improve. I'm your host, Jeremy Snyder, and I am the founder and CEO of Firetail, an API security company. On today's episode, we are delighted to have Amit Modi with us. Amit Modi is the CTO and CISO of Movius Interactive Corporation, a leading global provider of cloud-based secure mobile communication software that helps enterprises worldwide connect with their customers in more convenient, cost-effective, and compliant ways. Before his role as a CISO, Ahmed has led Mobius into the global marketplace by driving product vision, developing an expanding portfolio of enterprise-grade omni-channel communication services, and delivering global service delivery infrastructure. Now, as CISO of Movius, Amit steers all third-party oversight and oversees risk and compliance, assurance conducted on the company by regulated enterprises and carriers. Amit also sponsored and built Movius India from a zero to 100-person organization. Amit and Movius have been recognized by Gartner, FNS, Red Herring, Eweek, Wealthtech, IBM Champion, and more. Amit, that is a distinguished set of accomplishments there. I truly congratulate you on that. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks, Jeremy, for that kind introduction, and I'm really happy to be here on the show. Awesome, awesome. Well, one of the things I want to talk about in today's conversation is actually something that's in your background, and that's really mobile communications and the security of mobile communications. I think one of the things that is often taken for granted and not really, you know, focused on by the security industry is that, you know, we've all got these mobile devices that we're spending 18 to 20 hours a day with. We're doing an awful lot of communication through these devices, including corporate data. And yet we don't really think about the security of the data flowing over these devices, maybe as frequently as we should. What led you to start the journey with Movius in general? And were you thinking about secure mobile communications at the beginning of that process? Yeah, it's a very insightful question, Jeremy, because if I go back and look at the journey, bring your own devices, bringing mobile devices was just coming on the forefront. There was a need to have work and personal life separated but without carrying two devices. And that comes to the core of what we are trying to balance. How do you give the end users a phenomenal personalized experience so that they can do mobile communications, but at the same time, how do you protect the firm's data, as you rightly said, the interactions that they have within the business and more importantly, between the business and their customers? So really the genesis of Movius and our focus was trying to bring that balance of protecting the firm's data and yet giving extreme personalization and ease to the employees of the business. And the net result of that is the enterprises and the customers can come closer together. 
So it's so interesting. About it, but yeah, we'll talk a bit more about it, how it has unfolded. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's that's going to be a big focus of today's conversation. One of the things you said there makes me ask this question, which is for a lot of platforms that we use on a regular basis, maybe SaaS, maybe single sign-on that we're using across our organization, we have a lot of kind of standard security protocols that we look at, right? So we want to reduce the number of identity providers that we work with. We want, you know, multi-factor authentications, whether that's security keys, what have you. But I don't feel like there's an established standard set of security practices around mobile devices industry-wide. What are some of the things that we should be thinking about to secure our mobile devices? Yeah, I think it's a really good point, Jeremy. There is no established set of frameworks and guidelines on this is how you need to do secure mobile communication. So we really had to break that down to cover your point on what are the different pieces. We had to really build security from the design. We were trying to move traditional on-prem or hardware-based communications into cloud. That itself is a big shift. You don't have any defined standards and yet there is a big risk of data loss. So the approach there would be one, look at on the device itself, how can you control and protect and separate the communication, work and personal. The second piece is how do you take care of the data that is in motion so that it's all encrypted and secure. And third is when the data comes to the cloud platform itself, because it's offered as a SaaS service, how can you ensure again that the data is fully controlled from an access standpoint, from an authentication standpoint, and from an encryption standpoint? So these are at a high level, the three pieces we had to put together. And there's a whole set of controls that we have to implement to really say it's secure mobile communications. So that's interesting. So what were those three again? So we said we had access, we had integrity and privacy. Is that right? That's correct, right? You ultimately go at the root of confidentiality, integrity and availability, right? These are the three pieces, but you have to control it both at the endpoint level, in transit level, and then again at the cloud level. So you touch off the three. Yeah. And so you mentioned that it's been a journey to kind of get to where we are with this. So let's talk through that journey. When you started, what did you think was the main attack vector or the main data leakage risk that you were really worried about for this kind of secure communication channels? Yeah, I think there were predominantly two areas of attack vector. One is on the device itself, and especially if it is a bring your own device, which has a certain level of control, how do you protect the data there, right? Because you are giving a mobile application that is going to communicate voice calls and text messages and other types of messaging modalities with the client. So it's a very, very precious data for the firm. How do you control it on the device so it cannot be tampered with? So that was one attack vector. Okay. And the second piece is the cloud platform itself, right? Because customers have historically been very comfortable with on-prem implementations. So how do you build the security layers on the cloud so that it is not coming under attack? So we had to cover both of those bases. And last is the man in the middle, right? As these data is traversing over the airwaves, over the different networks, cellular, Wi-Fi, or otherwise, how do you ensure that the integrity and protection happens for data in It's interesting because I think if I go back, you know, 20 years, if you told me like, hey, we need to worry about 
end-to-end communication, let's say not necessarily mobile, but some kind of end-to-end, the first thing I would worry about is the network transit. And that's been the mindset in security for such a long time that it is, in fact, the kind of the transit layer where so much focus has been. If we think about all the billions or hundreds of billions of dollars spent on firewalls and these types of devices, we're always really worried about these kind of network hops. And yet it's the third thing in what you said, right? So number one being the device itself, number two being the cloud platform, and number three being the network layer. Has that been an evolutionary process or did you kind of think that way from day one? It's an evolutionary process. And this is where I think the power of the industry, the power of the ecosystem comes into play. Jeremy, it's really important. No one party has answers to all the problems. And obviously the attack vectors are so wide. So we partnered with and we've been very thankful and be blessed with some of the leading enterprise customers, right? So they took us not as a vendor or a provider of a functionality, but they really built a partnership with us and we could understand their scale, their magnitude and how they approach security. So partnering with them was extremely useful. The other pieces, there are other complementary solution providers like the mobile application management guys, the device management people, right? So we could partner very effectively with them. And then third is, of course, your own team, which is trying to push the envelope forward, right? And one other point I want to accentuate again is, while putting a lot of security, you cannot compromise the user experience because if the user experience is gone, guess what? Nobody's going to use the product, yeah. right? So to always balance that. So it was a it was a partnership to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that last point around the user experience, you cannot forget that. I come from the cloud security space and we've seen that time and again. If the user experience on your cloud adoption within your organization is really poor, and we've seen this with things like CASBs that really try to control what you can do on top of the cloud, what happens? Your users just go around, right? And they just you know skip any security controls. They create new accounts. They pull out credit cards. They do their own thing. And yet they put corporate data in those environments, and that's ultimately the risk. So I want to talk for a second about kind of one of those components. So let's talk about the devices for a second. So you mentioned that you can kind of partner with the mobile device management companies and things like that. But what are the use cases? What are the scenarios that you're trying to protect against? Is it against, you know, third-party application risk? Is it against underlying operating system? What are the things that, you know, people should be thinking about for mobile device security? Yeah few different aspects, Jeremy. So the first is always, is the right user using the channel of communication? Like if it is a okay. your own device, right? I mean, on corporate control devices, you can still enforce a lot of things. But what about a bring your own device, which is what everybody wants these days? It's convenient. You get great devices. So is the right user using the service? That is a very basic question. And that encompasses the right level of authentication, the right level of authorization, the right level of control on that device without being too intrusive. The second piece you need to consider is you are only monitoring or surveilling the business communications channel. Because mm-hmm. the moment I as an end user start to doubt that somebody is watching me or big brother is prying over it, I'll stop using it, right? And that kind of creates inertia. So that's the second piece you are looking for. The third piece is in a scenario where the device does get compromised, 
what is the risk to that data like is the data encrypted while within the context of the application can it be remotely wiped and the device be secured can nobody else access it so that's the third thing you need to look at and the fourth piece is really about as the data is being transitioned to the cloud and as the in transit aspects are happening is your application really safe and secure and has it been penetration tested sufficiently and is it following all the security guidelines so these are the kind of things that you look at from a endpoint or device standpoint i'll also okay. mention that while we think a lot about mobile devices when i talk about connected mobile devices in you are looking at mobile you're looking at laptop you're looking at tablets but in future a lot of other iot type connected devices which are also going to be used for critical communication so we have to always be thinking ahead in that regard. yeah and when we think about kind of protecting the data because ultimately at the end of the day it's data that is usually what attackers are after what are the kinds of data that are being transmitted over next generation mobile communications is it kind of everything or are there specific areas of risk that we need to think about there are two ways i would think about it one is what do you absolutely need to onboard and authenticate the user don't get more information than you really need right it's a very basic security principle so in our case for example all we need is the user's basic information about their email address and then that's it and we give them an identity in the form of a phone number so that just take what is only absolutely needed in terms of what data in case of movies the communication is over voice call over text messages we also support other social messaging channels so once the channel is open you are conversating and communicating all kinds of information so you need to really okay. make sure that it is protected and it cannot be spoofed in the middle and when it is at rest nobody can get access to that information it's very vital to the fraud Got it. Got it. Do you have any real world examples of breaches that have happened on some of these kind of next generation networks or platforms and how they were addressed? I mean, anonymous is totally fine. Yeah, I mean, we look about breaches all the time, right? There have been quite a few in recent times. There are outages. There is breach of account information. I think we should all stay humbled and know that the people are thinking two or three steps ahead of us and we should always be on the lookout to safeguard i won't want to name anybody but if you look up even in last few weeks there have been big breaches involving communication providers jeremy now yeah. why this happen often times it's the simplest smallest thing it comes down to an api that got undetected and somehow attackers got access to it so it's the most obvious littlest things that catch you out and that's why it becomes so important to control from an overall standpoint yeah yeah it's one of those things that i think is you know we we can't fall asleep it's it's a bit of the challenge of the job right is that you can't really let up for a second because you kind of have to be constantly vigilant about all this communication and all the in and out and so on so when you think about kind of crafting end to end. So we've talked about kind of the different components a little bit. We've talked about the mobile device. We've talked about a little bit of the network transit layer. When we talk about the cloud-based systems, 
If you're thinking about designing a new cloud-based system today, what are the top priorities for you in terms of, let's say, security strategies or approaches that you want to implement and you want to see your teams implementing? Absolutely. So I'll cover a few different aspects. The first the core principles, right? CIA, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. You need to make sure that that's built and designed into it. You cannot do it after the fact. It's too tough to do. And it's a lot of hard work to rework your core platform right? because it has a certain set of functionality. So building it grounds up is important. Now to break it into sort of more manageable chunks, you need to think of access controls. So have a lot of access controls built into the system. You need to obviously have multiple layers or tiers as they are called of the security when you talk about the cloud architecture, tier one, tier two, tier three. So your most important okay. data is as hidden as possible. You need to have flexibility for the customers. I'm talking B2B here to okay. have control over the encryption of their data. So you need to give that flexibility segregation of duties. And I think, Jeremy, one important part I want to highlight is raising the awareness and making security a priority at a leadership level and top down. It is not a supporting thing or it is not an after the fact thing. Every time a product as secure development lifecycle is being conducted, security needs to be as important as the functionality that particular product or service is doing. I think that moves the needle a lot. So that's a really interesting point. We've had a number of conversations on this show about people who have similar opinions as you. I'm always curious when people bring this up, I'm always curious to get your take. Now, obviously, you've got your organization, you've got a strong leadership position there. So for you internally, I imagine you've already kind of built this into the company culture and into a lot of your leadership processes and so on. How about when you talk to your customers? What are some of the advice that you get them? Because I imagine from, let's say, from the users that you get from your customer side, they all want the same thing as you but they face the struggle of making the people upstairs, figuratively upstairs, you know, embrace that same vision. What kind of suggestions do you give them? What tips or what data can you give them to show how impactful this can be? Yeah, I, I think the, the impact, so the tips that we can give is one, look guys, you can achieve your business objectives without compromising security. That's first and foremost, right? Now the compliance and the security folks in our customer side, they obviously want it, but it's the line of businesses, the end users, the functional users. It's to give them comfort that this is actually making your life better without taking productivity away from them. I think that moves the needle a lot. So that's one of the key parts of the tip that we give. The second is put the onus on us that we will ensure that the end user friction continues to go down without compromising security. So we take and become a very integral part of the partnership. The third is we make their life easier. We build so much reporting, analytics, telemetry, reconciliation. So we make their day-to-day -day life easier. So they start trusting us more and more. And then when they can feed all of these pieces of information upstairs, it becomes easier to get the buy-in, Jeremy. These are some of the conversations we had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the trade-off then, right? Because if you think about a lot of projects and a lot of, let's say, project delivery, you'll often get the positioning that there are three factors in a project, right? There's speed, cost, and quality. And you can always pick two. 
And whatever you pick for those two determines the third one. So if you think about, let's say, you know, speed, quality, and security, what's the trade-off? Or what are the trade-offs that you think customers and users should take upstairs? What should they give up in favor of security? I think this is a really tough question, Jeremy. I think in our case, we have been a little bit fortunate because uh, one of the big parts of our proposition is to bring that security, compliance and regulations to our customers. So for us, that security combined with quality has been really high, like those two have really moved the needle. I would also say that there is a broader awareness amongst our customers that the firm's data and the importance of that is not just relegated to regulated verticals. I think that's been a big shift, right? It applies to all SMBs, any businesses, because everybody wants to value and treasure their data. So I, I think we have been in a good position to be able to emphasize quality and security. And I think when those two are there, the speed with the cloud services, with us maturing and simplifying the onboarding experiences, starts to increase naturally. So that's how we have approached it. Jimmy. Yeah. Well, speaking of cloud, we started with that topic and then we got distracted for a second. I want to come back to that for a second. I usually find that people fall on one of two sides on this question. And the question that I like to start with is, do you think you are more secure now that everything is cloud-based? Or do you think that it is, you know, it moves faster, but you need to put more effort into securing cloud environments? I think it definitely moves faster because you are benefiting from a lot more brain power, a lot more ecosystem power. So that's where I feel personally. I think the move towards clouds could be public, could be hybrid, along with the partnership and the services that you get that puts you in a much better situation as a firm. That's where yeah. my belief is. And so when you think about moving things over to those cloud environments and you're thinking about kind of, let's say, communications data on top of cloud-based platforms or with cloud-based platforms as the back end, what type of data do you expect to see on those cloud platforms? And then what kind of controls are you recommending to put in place around that data? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you're talking about calls, like that's a communications data, you're talking about messages, and depending on the vertical, that content could be different, right? In healthcare, it could be health, healthcare related information in financial services, it could be a business to customer conversation involving trades, in regular businesses, it could be just sales information of products being sold and exchanged. So you're talking about that type of content. In terms of the controls, as I spoke about, it's the encryption controls, it's the data at rest controls, it's the access and authentication and authorization controls. And it's really making sure that it's about people only when they need to have and look into the data, only then they look into it. And even there, the recordings, the actual content, we never even allow anybody in the business to look at it, right? Like we do have yeah. some metadata for troubleshooting, but we are just processing the data on behalf of our customers. We are not the controllers of the data. So that data belongs yeah. to our customers. Yeah. And you've been in this space for a number of years now, right? Like yes. more than 10, more than 20? Yes. It's going to be 20 plus now. So Yeah. It's same for me. So 
One of the things I've wondered for, you know, I've not paid a lot of attention to, let's say, the call-based side of things or, you know, voice communications because I haven't worked in those lines of business in many, many years. But I always remember having separate PBX systems from my network. And I remember the time that we first started having IP-based phones and we had a PBX that actually lived on the network and we started to be able to program it or interact with it or have our PBX send voicemails out via email and things like that. I'm curious now, you know, it's all merged, right? You've got cloud-based PBX systems. You've got voicemails, voice recordings that are just MP3 files at this point. With that, have you seen the volume of breaches or the volume of attempted breaches of voice calls? Has that just shot up exponentially or does it kind of grow like everything else, like every other attack? I mean, what's the value of voice calls to attackers? I haven't looked at the latest stats, but I think it has just grown naturally, like because in general, attackers are trying to get access to it. In terms of value, you are trying to get access, you get the voice calls. And with these days, if you get access to voice calls and with AI, you can transcribe or translate. You are basically getting what you would traditionally get with all Mm -hmm. the emails or the messages, right? So voice is still the most sort of precious, unstructured content that is out there, right? Like by far. So the information that you can glean from them, and now you don't have to... hear all the voice calls, you can use AI to transcribe and understand it. And you have a lot of processing available. It becomes extremely invaluable to get access to it. Yeah. And you mentioned something there that voice is largely unstructured. And yet, you know, actually at the same time, AI is being used to turn voice calls into structured data. So that's, that's something definitely to keep an eye out for. Aside from kind of transcription and classification, what are some of the other roles that you've seen AI have in omnichannel communications? Yeah, a lot. And we are doing a lot of groundbreaking work. I'll give some, some concrete examples, right? The most common that has been used is how do I understand the sentiment, the tonality, the emotions Mm. of that conversation. Jeremy, like, how do I know whether this conversation that you and I are having, did I really hit the mark or not? Right. 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 What could I have done better? So how how do I get coached or supervised after the fact? If we are ever going to have a follow-up conversation, what could I do better? So that's one part of the use cases. The other part is, There's a lot of work that traditionally call center agents had done, like doing collections or reminders or this and that. And now with the power of AI, you can use conversational intelligence, AI power to reduce a lot of those tasks and jobs and use AI and the bots and other pieces to do that. So that's another set of use cases, right? And then the third Mm -hmm. is mine for specific topics, and certain things and again make things a lot more efficient it's all about driving business performance management it's about making the employee productive and from a customer standpoint making sure you are getting them what they truly want to get out of that conversation so amazing applications of voice ai that we are yeah absolutely in you know are you one of these people who believes that over time, these human agents will be largely replaced by AI agents? 
Yeah, I think this debate has been getting a lot of light now, especially after Chad GPT. I'm a strong believer in what human beings do, like when we are constantly pushing the envelope. So my belief is, Jeremy, that the mundane tasks will be done and automated. However, human beings will be pushed to a higher order of inventiveness and creativity. And that's where you still need human beings. When it is a multidimensional, complex decision making, you need the brain power that we have. And that's, I think, it is good. It will push all of us, right, for that higher order. That's That's funny. As you were saying that before, I was thinking about, you know, I'm sure there are some use cases that a lot of humans would be happy to get out of. Right. Nobody wants to be in debt collections. Right. It's a terribly confrontational, uh, disappointing for both sides under best case circumstances. And I think we'd be happy to offload some of that to AI. But then, yeah, well, we'll see. Not maybe not our, our. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I just want to say that you should look up for our listeners and yourself, Movius, and what we are doing in that space, partnering with some of the leaders in the world. And it's just fascinating the kind of flows and things that we can do in collect tech that we are able to do with our AI. Yeah, right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's maybe a great place to start to wind things down. We've got just a couple minutes left. So definitely do go out and check out Movius. We can find that on their website or on YouTube or both or yeah, Mobius.ai. Simple. Got it. Got it. So, Amit, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I saw a nice little nugget here in your background, and it sounds like you've been on quite the entrepreneurial journey. So you grew up in India. You landed in San Francisco on Christmas Day, 1999, after working in the UK for a year. What was that like for you? It was great, Jeremy. It brings me smiles still because one, it was a great day to land in US. Two, the flights were extremely cheap on that particular day. But it has been just absolutely rewarding and phenomenal. I cannot thank US for being so open. I mean, of course, I'm a US citizen now, but I think the journey that I've traverse with so many different startups and building products from scratch and just being able to do and fail and then get up again and fail and get up again. The learnings that I've acquired, it's been an amazing journey ever since that Christmas day. So I'm like super happy about it, very thankful and very blessed to have that journey. That's an awesome message to end today's episode on. Amit, thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations on your journey up to this point. Congratulations on the success of Mobius. And thanks for sharing information about mobile communication security, giving us some real food for thought around securing mobile communications and around what's up and coming on the AI side of it. Amit Modi is the CISO and CTO at Mobius Interactive Corporation. Amit, thanks so much for taking some time to join us on the Ask a CISO podcast today. It's been my pleasure, Jeremy. Thank you. Absolutely.